0: Alright, what up, what up, episode
1: 16
0: of the Stiff Shots podcast coming at you live and pre-recorded on this lovely evening, afternoon, daytime, whatever time you're listening to this, we're right there with you, coming hot off the heels of our AEW All Out episode. We're going to be going into another show that took place on the same day across the pond, as they say, NXT UK Cardiff, Wales, home of Funeral for a Friend and the Funeral of Many of my minutes spent watching this show, but before we get into that, we're also going to be reviewing a little bit of a fallout from the AEW All Out show—not just our show, but their show as well. With me, as always, is Rick Jimenez. My name is Ryan Rainbow. Rick, how you doing?
1: Hey, man! I had a power drink today. I finally tried the uh, C4 Midnight Cherry ass black cherry. Okay, shit was, shit was good. I was rocking and rolling. Uh, Long day at work, so instead of going to bed or doing anything that sucks, I did 500 things that rocks.
0: Did you take it as a pre-workout, or you just drank it as a drink?
1: A little bit of everything. Man, that is
0: really, really cool.
1: Had a killer workout. Trying to grow my calves for once in my fucking life. Uh, Lots of shit to do. So let's touch upon uh, the AW All Out show that we did. I got a lot of feedback really quick about you, but more so me, being stiffer than ever. Just H-A-R-D as hell. And uh, I was really shitty, but it's because the show was really shitty. I'm sorry. It's just my honest opinion. And I would never not be honest.
0: And we wanted the show to be good. We've given AEW praise when the praise is due. And I'm really pulling for me to pull up the old Turner Network television on October the 2nd and just really love every moment
1: of uh, programming they give me. But that is not what they did. But you know what? It's just one show, you know, every uh, and they're still a new company. So they're going to have some fuck ups here and there. It might be that this is just what they do, but hopefully it's not. And some people fucking liked it. You know, it's just our opinion. You know, we're just two dumbass dipshit fans that love to talk about wrestling. You know, our opinions don't matter unless you think they do matter. And if they matter to you, then it fucking matters. It's cool, man. I actually had a lot of fun recording that episode. And then I listened back this morning while I was at my dumbass job. And I had a lot. I had more fun listening back than I did (laughs) recording.
0: Well, that's great because that's all we're here for is for everybody to have fun. So since that show aired, AEW has put up another YouTube video, The Road to AEW on TNT, which makes me wonder, is
1: that going to be the name of the show, you think? Just AEW on TNT? I'm almost certain that it's Wednesday Night Dynamite. Okay. I I don't know if that's been, like, officially, officially announced yet, but, like, I know they filed for the trademark for Tuesday, and then they refiled for the fucking... I didn't need to say fuck in there. The Wednesday Night Dynamite is trademarked for AEW. So and you know we know they're going on Wednesday. So I guess they're just waiting to announce that's the name. Hopefully they just think better of it because that's not a good name. I don't want to, you know, I don't want that to show up in my DVR. I'd rather it be AEW on TNT.
0: So we got the episode Road to AEW on TNT, a few little announcements, mainly just a kind of recap of the show, but we had a few things brought to light. Uh, What were some matches that they announced on this show?
1: So they spoke about how Cody will be facing off against Sammy Guevara. It's interesting to me, you know, they announced that on this YouTube show. And then yesterday, I think it was yesterday, they announced all over the Internet that at their next pay-per-view, full gear, which is like almost as great balls of fire as far as the pay-per-view title is, that Chris Jericho will be defending his title against Cody Rhodes. And then there was this big elaborate Sports Illustrated article, I don't know if you saw this, where the writer goes into detail about Cody's getting the shot because wins and losses matter and he's won all of his matches aside from the draw he had. So he has not won all of his matches. Um, and then Tony Khan goes into this long convoluted statement also about how Cody earned the title, ma- title shot. Because he keeps winning. So I'm assuming Guevara is going to fucking lose at the show on AEW. Because if he wins, then does that mean Cody no longer deserves his title match? Um, So part of me loves the wins and losses matter thing. But it's professional wrestling. It's not amateur wrestling. It's not a football tournament. It's not college football. Um, So wins and losses Matter, But wins and losses can exactly dictate who's getting a title shot uh, when it's a cumulative thing. If it's like wins and losses matter, whoever wins this match on Thursday gets to fight the champion on Friday. That's logical. Plus, wrestling is – don't get me wrong. I think you know, who wins matters, but it matters for the story. Sometimes who loses is more important than who wins. It's fucking professional wrestling. So, man, it flawed right away. In my opinion, they booked themselves into a corner. If Guevara goes over on the TNT show, then Cody fighting for the title is kind of fucked and doesn't make sense. If Cody has to win, then of course he's going to fucking win. They already announced the goddamn title match. Can't do it. Doesn't make any sense. Illogical. So this YouTube show starts off with some fan yelling at the camera. So he's yelling, All I want is blood and guts. So if this was ECW... 95, maybe even 98, if that makes sense. It's 2019. If all you want is blood and guts, why are you watching professional wrestling? Watch UFC or watch like one of those million doctor shows where they fucking scalpel people. Blood and guts in a wrestling match has its time and place, but um, really strange. All I want is blood and guts. You're fucking watching the wrong goddamn show. I'm doing, man. I'm fucking heated already again.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I've heard a lot of uh, arguments for the sake of saying that. Cody and Jericho is the only real option for Jericho to defend his title against, which I think is funny because of the fact that the whole premise is that this is a a new show with a, a fresh palette, a clean slate. So everybody is an option as far as I'm concerned. I mean, if we're saying as far as recognizable names, then maybe. But even then, everybody who likes this show They all know who Jericho is. They all know who Cody is. And they all know who all these people are. Because anybody that likes AEW likes everybody on AEW. So I think that that's a a strange defense. Not that it even needs to be defended. I don't have any problem with Cody going up against Jericho. Uh, I feel like it's almost too soon because that is a a big-time match that they have. But, um, you know, whatever.
1: I agree. I I also think it's too soon. I, I think it may be a great match. But who knows? Like I said on the last episode, I feel like somebody could really, really lose me four weeks in a row and then do one little thing and totally win me back because it's wrestling. That's the way it goes. So despite how much I utterly despised essentially everything about All Out, um, I had a really good time hating it. That doesn't really make a lot of sense probably, but, you know – because it elicited a reaction and a reaction we got to do a podcast about. But hey, guess what? A day later, I'm looking forward to seeing their TNT show.
0: Well, there you go. Well, we are going to move right into NXT UK. Now, before NXT UK Cardiff took place, we actually watched a couple episodes of the NXT UK weekly programming. Just to make sure that we're kind of as familiar as possible with these stories and things like that. I, I casually watch the show and I think you do as well. But I wanted to make sure that I was able to hone in on exactly what was happening at this pay-per-view event or special event or whatever it's called. I wanted to know that I knew what I was talking about. So we're just going to go over the first uh, couple matches, the two weeks prior leading up to this event, kind of breeze through them just so you know where we're at when we talk about Cardiff. The show two weeks ago opens with Imperium, Uh, Eichner and Bartel versus The Hunt, who's Wild Boar and Primate, both of them literal animals and i believe dave mastiff is also in their their crew and a mastiff is a sweet precious puppy dog so it's all members of the animal kingdom versus imperium imperium of course walter's crew walter the NXT UK i'm sorry just the WWE United Kingdom champion i believe is what that championship is officially called uh primate is in fact the rowan lookalike who killed roman reigns as far as i can tell he has the nice red beard and uh i mean that's you know the the nxt uk or probably just the uk wrestler thing in general is hey i'm out of shape and i got a beard and uh that follows through with the old hunt imperium in their defense not bearded well most of them aren't i believe desmond wolf has some sort of facial hair uh and eichner and Bartel certainly aren't out of shape so immediately to contradict what i just said they're out here but uh The match was fine. Eichner and Bartel are really cool. I I liked watching them in NXT proper. And the Hunts are two wrestlers
1: that are employed. This is like Star Wars The Last Jedi because the Imperium reminds me of the First Order in Star Wars. And the the Hunt is like the live-action Lion King. You ever see movies? imperium is imperium is really cool that that is a cool team
0: uh, i know what i find interesting about imperium is that desmond wolf joined imperium and they um are you know all about order and he left sanity which was kind of all about chaos so very interesting to see him convert from the chaos to the order i will say this about imperium too their track jackets are real sick i'm real into that that whole gimmick that they all have these matching track jackets so after that, we meet the assistant to the general manager, which is not a joke. That is really his title. And that's why you have an assistant regional manager. Assistant to the regional manager. Same
1: thing. No, it's not. It's lower.
0: And he is letting us know about the upcoming matches and things like that. Then we meet this backstage interviewer whose name I forget, but he looks like Corbin Blue from Bandcamp, Camp Rock. So that's what I'm going to call him. Good old Corbin. And he's back there, and I can't remember what happens. He's interviewing somebody and they like do this w- weird dance. Is it Tyler Bate, like the, or Trent Seven? Does some strange dance into the Imperium locker room? That brings us to the number one contender for the UK Women's Championship, Kay Lee Ray, versus a wrestler named Shax, who is just a parody of a British person or a European, I guess. She's got wearing the little tiny hat. Of the Mad Hatter, and uh, I think this might have been her NXT UK debut. wasn't terrible wrestling, was terrible looking.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm actually not a big fan of Katie Lee Ray, Kaylee Ray. I'm sorry, fuck. You know, I'm actually not a big fan of Kaylee Ray. She looks all messed out, and uh, little hat girl. Nah, in this moment, it's not cool to me. Um, that little hat, you know. Now, hat is something hat I do not like. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan of Kaylee Ray either. Uh, she does this, in my opinion, terrible promo making fun of Tony Storm for, I guess, winning matches. I couldn't really tell what uh, the point was. That she was like, "Oh, you know why you're the champion? Because everybody abandoned you." It's like, oh, okay, but I'm the champion, right?
1: Yeah, they, the Tony, you know, Tony Storm's gimmick is Motley Crew, which is actually really sick to me. But it's funny, like, oh, what's your wrestling gimmick? Ah, Motley Crew. Um, that promo was a little strange, you know, going on about. I have a fiance and friends and all you have is the belt. Like, duh, she's a fucking professional wrestling champion. All she cares about is the belt. And if you ever watched the X-Men cartoon in the nineties, man, Kaylee Ray is Moira McTaggart.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is cool. And Moira McTaggart, I believe is played by Elizabeth Hurley in the X-Men films. So after we have Kaylee Ray get mad at Tony Storm for being a wrestling champion, we see a promotional video for Dave Mastiff versus Joe coffee, whose name is coffee twice. And, man, Mastiff really is horrendous to to look at. Um, They are having a last-man-standing match at TakeOver Cardiff, and so in their promotional, they count to 10, which I was, not going to lie, pretty impressed that they can count to 10 because later on in the Cardiff show, we learned that Europeans can actually not count that high when Cesaro is doing his giant swing. But in this, they're counting to 10 on their big, fat sausage fingers, and I'm real proud of them. And I think that dragon logo is really cool for Cardiff as well. Then we see a, uh, a promo vignette for Oliver Carter, who's, I guess, like a British-African. He goes, Yaman, yeah, man, in his video. So that's also cool. And by cool, I mean it is a thing that he does. So then we have a match of Mark Andrews versus James Drake with Zach Gibson. Uh, Mark Andrews is in a tag team with Flash Morgan Webster. And James Drake is in a tag team with Zach Gibson, who are the tag team champions uh, grizzled young veterans and for some reason if mark andrews wins this match against james drake then his tag team gets inserted into the tag team championship match at takeover cardiff Uh, mark andrews has nasa font on his gear which is pretty interesting because you believe in the moon landing about as much as i believe mark andrews could defeat me in physical combat
1: all that aside i think mark andrews finisher is really awesome
0: The Stun Dog Millionaire, you think is really awesome? I do. That's only interesting to me because of how much you complain about how often people use stunners. So the fact that a guy using a version of the stunner.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because they call it Stun Dog Millionaire, and it reminds me of the Dunder Mifflin uh, company barbecue when they do Dunder Mifflin Slum Dog Millionaire.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get that it's called Stun Dog Millionaire because he's doing a stunner. But, you know, Slum Dog Millionaire was about an Indian boy playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And I just don't understand. uh, I mean, I love puns, so I'm not trying to hate on it too much. I just feel like Stun Dog Millionaire is a stupid joke you and I would make on this show versus naming our finisher in in our popular punk band.
1: Yeah, well, maybe watch that office episode when they have the dunder mifflin company barbecue and don't get me wrong man like there's a lot of other like fucking blink 183 references and i don't like that
0: well i do like uh james drake because he looks like steven richards to me and i like zach gibson because he looks like the guy that sat next to me at nxt takeover new york who was really nice
1: i like gibson because he looks like tracker who is a friend of both of ours who absolutely is not listening to this show. But if I tell him (laughs) that I said his name in a wrestling show, he might listen to it. He has a podcast about Cheers, the TV show from the 80s.
0: Oh, that's incredible. (laughs) All right, so after that, we got uh, Ijun Dragunov versus Tyson T-Bone. And uh, I believe this is actually the next show, the next week's show, because the main event of the week prior was Mark Andrews. I guess I shouldn't leave out the fact that he does, in fact, defeat James Drake. So Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster are now officially in the Tag Team Championship match and have a chalk line official jacket for their tag team before Asuka has one because nothing in the world makes sense. So after that is Dragonov versus Tyson T-Bone. I think this is Dragonov's kind of return to the show. I believe he may have been on here prior, but they really kind of hype up how he looks in much better shape now and is much more intense. I think uh, he's cool. He's uh, super Russianed out, which I also think is cool. Uh, Tyson T-Bone, well, I think, the name Tyson is an interesting name when it's not a frozen package of meat, but he's kind of like a frozen package of meat, so I guess it, it, it works.
1: Yo, how many wrestlers in the past maybe 15 years have had the name Tyson? They're like a lot. I don't know if it's like something Vince McMahon's obsessed with because Mike Tyson is the greatest, but there's been Tyson Tomko, Tyson Kid, Tyson T-Bone. Ty Dillinger. Dragon Up is pretty cool. I think he has um, a lot of potential.
0: Yeah, I do think he's cool. And he uh, you know, shows up later on in this show, and we'll talk about then. But um, after, oh, he definitely defeats Tyson T Bone. I don't want you to think that anybody's getting any stake but dragging off. Then we see Jack Gallagher challenging Cassius Ono for the show after TakeOver Cardiff. However, uh, fast forward to the show after TakeOver Cardiff, Gallagher does not show up. And instead, Cassius Ono, the wrestling genius who wears... Iron-on t-shirts like old-school Arn Anderson, which really rocks the house, faces Sid Scala, the assistant to the general manager, in his assistant to the general manager gear, and squashes him. And I actually really enjoyed that. I don't know why Gallagher wasn't there, but he doesn't show up for the match, which is incredible. Then we get Joseph Connors versus the now-debuting Oliver Carter, who we talked about had a vignette earlier, the British-African guy. This is his big debut, so you think he goes over? He does not. Joseph Connors handles him, trounces him. One, two, three.
1: Do you think Joseph Connors is Marco Stunt's older brother? Uh, No, I think that he is related to the kid in Terminator. Sarah Connor? Darlene Connor, Marco Stunt. Yeah, this match did nothing for me. It's fine.
0: Yeah, it's very strange that Oliver Carter... I mean, not that I think that it's impossible to lose in your debut, but it doesn't say... I mean, unless they're pushing this Joseph Connors guy, it just kind of made Oliver Carter look like a chump. Then we get the maker of Thor's second hammer-slash-axe Stormbreaker, Jordan, the Irish ace, Devlin, versus Kenny Williams. And as you know, there's only one Kenny in wrestling I like, and that is Kenny Lush.
1: Hey, we all like Kenny Lush. Yo... I'm sorry, but how is Devlin's gimmick not actually just writing children's books for Buddy the Elf's dad's boss? <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, the, during this match, the crowd was not paying attention to anything except for just singing, and that was just. I, I'm just such not a fan of Devlin. I feel like all of his matches are just super, super corny and choreographed, and Spanish flies, soft ass, Aki Man into the world's fakest suplex the lifting sling arm ugh Th- this match I paid so much attention to because it was driving me crazy this match was like ugh. I don't I don't want to see Devlin do anything ever again I'm sorry I just I am a negative fan of his he should go to AEW he should fight Darlene Connor.
0: alright so that pretty much wraps up those two shows uh, there's you know a couple video packages leading up to uh, TakeOver Cardiff but that's what we're actually here to talk about so now you're caught up on those two shows that You have no reason to go back and check out unless you want to see those cool Imperium track jackets, which, you know what? I recommend you do. So TakeOver Cardiff, sorry, NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff, has two theme songs. Two of them. One by the band Junior, fronted by Mark Andrews, So It Sucks, and that song is called Brick by Brick. And the second one is by a band called Boston Manor, which is a song that is called Hate You. And it just kind of sounds very whiny. It's such a weird backdrop for men fighting each other, and women, people, in combat. I don't understand it. It's not hashtag NXT loud to me, and I I don't like it. But our first match on the show is Travis Banks versus Noam Dar. Noam Dar, as you may or may not know, is really bad at jackets. He has a Stone Island jacket that he comes out in, which is kind of cool, but he's doing this weird thing where his hands are in his pockets, and he's... Shoving them up and down. He used to have this other jacket where it had zippers going in both directions. So I don't know how you unzip it. But he also is real into the... uh, His nickname is the Scottish Supernova. So he wears gear that's in the same galaxy print of when I used to wear leggings to the gym seven years ago. So uh, I don't know if I think that's cool or not. I definitely know that his pinkies up taunts thing that he does is not cool. Uh, Travis Banks' nickname is the Kiwi Buzzsaw. And I know that being a Kiwi is what it's called when you're from New Zealand, but a Kiwi Buzzsaw does not sound like an intimidating person to me. It kind of sounds like a move in Clay Fighter 63 and a third.
1: <laughs> that fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me first start off with I thought it was hilarious how I went into the AEW pay per view. So excited, and then despised it with the passion of a thousand sons wearing a thousand pairs of sunglasses. I went into this show kind of knowing we were going to cover it, but I didn't really feel like watching it. NXT UK never really grabs me. And just to let it be known before we talk about this pay-per-view in depth, I absolutely fucking loved Essentially, this entire show. So, man, what a fucking palate cleanser this show was for me. Um, Especially the fact that, like I said, I'm not really the biggest NXT UK fan. Um, This match specifically, I like Noam Dar. I think he does good work. I think that Alicia Fox thing he did was funny. But it was also really stupid. So I'm glad he's done with it. But it's a, you know, kind of that got me into him a bit. Or got me to pay attention to him when he was on 205 Live more than, oh, it's just another guy. Like, oh, he, could, he has a personality, and he says Alicia Fox really weird, and he—whatever. A couple of things in this match stood out to me. Dar gives Banks a snapmare into the ropes, which is pretty simple, but I thought was kind of neat. And then later on, he does it into the stairs, which I thought was really fucking cool. Uh, they do the top rope double stomp, which— you know, I go on every episode because every episode somebody does it a trillion times or several people do it a trillion times in each show. I don't want to see that move ever again unless it's Balor doing it as a finish. And they do that, and it's not even a finish. So late in the match, it starts to lose me a little bit because it starts to look very choreographed. There's a couple of just straight-up missed strikes, which, God, I I fucking can't stand. Um. Like I said, as the match progresses, it kind of starts to look like a soft AEW type of match. Um, so I was into the match in the beginning. They started losing me at the end, but the actual finish, it looks like Dar just kicks him right in the fucking face. He might not have, and they didn't show a replay of it, which is great because I'm left. I leave the match saying, oh, you know what? No matter what happened in the match, he kicked him in the face and pinned him. So. This was a fine opener to me.
0: Yeah, I liked it. I liked it enough. You know, the interesting thing about this match for me is there's a little story behind it that they slightly touch on that Noam Dar has a contractual, not obligation, but uh, he is requiring NXT UK by contract that he gets to be featured in every takeover. So that's why he gets this unannounced match with Travis Banks. And I hope that plays out where, you know, because he's kind of like a cocky jerk. Eventually somebody makes a surprise... Appearance and just, you know, annihilates him or something because he was brought in to show up TJP, if I'm not mistaken, back when he first made his return. But uh, yes, he has this thing going where he has to be on every takeover and, uh, you know, him continuing to win continues his arrogance. And I I like that just being I like there being a storyline for him, even though he's not maybe necessarily involved in a feud or a championship picture. I like that there's still something there. There's a reason that the match is happening other than we needed another match on the show.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a fun little gimmick too. Especially if he's so arrogant, maybe he should come out with Rick Martel's bottle of arrogance.
0: <laughs> so speaking of surprise appearances and getting trounced, Cesaro makes a somewhat surprise appearance. He kind of announced that he was going to be checking out in NXT UK, but he shows up and does kind of an open challenge thing. And the previously mentioned Dragonoff is the one to answer it. And uh, it seems like he's kind of sexually aroused by Cesaro, which I'm real into. And this guy doesn't just get hype, he stays hype. Now, I mean,
1: look at Cesaro. You can't blame anybody for that. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why I'm
0: saying I'm, that, that was a plus for me. It's like, okay, he's open about how hot this dude is. Yeah, man, that
1: is something that you do like.
0: <laughs> he has stupid contacts in too, a la Sean Spears on AEW. But for some reason, they're not as dumb to me. I guess maybe because they're red instead of white, but... It's still goofy. Please stop putting contacts that are special colors in your eyes, pro wrestler people. But um, the interesting thing about this match for me was it kind of is like an extended squash for the first several minutes to me. And then once it gets to the swing, which is a very extended swing, Cesaro swings him. I can't tell if it's like 40 or 50 times because the crowd is unable to count past 20. And I'm not just being... Silly here. Go back and watch this show. They are lost after twenty.
1: They're like, oh, I don't know what comes after that. You know what I thought was hilarious about the swing is they're counting, but they're not counting the rotations. They just start counting, and then he's swinging it. So you know they're up to like you you said twenty, but it definitely was not twenty rotations. Not that it matters, but um, you know it. It's at least funny, and I love things that are funny.
0: (laughs) I agree. After the swing happens, Dragunov really makes a comeback and he really gets some nice shine on him and really looks like a you know formidable contender for Cesaro who you know just looks incredible all the time. But then Cesaro does this crazy gut buster into this super European uppercut and a leaping neutralizer. I mean, when he does that neutralizer on him, he jumps up in the air. One thing that I always love about uh, Cesaro singles matches when he actually is getting to have real matches is that there's always this moment in him where you can tell he just decides in character, you know, not just like as far as the match goes, but the character Cesaro decides like, okay, I'm I'm winning this match. Like I've allowed this to go on long enough. And even though Dragonoff puts up a great fight, that happens here too with that that combination I was talking about, the gut buster, uppercut, leaping neutralizer. But definitely got Dragonov over, which I know was kind of the the point of it, and also reminded us how awesome Cesaro can be when he gets that opportunity. Uh, I rarely like the whole respect hug handshake thing after a match, but these guys had no ill blood between each other. So I'm into, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it for after this match.
1: I loved everything about this match, including the handshake thing at the end. Um, Cesaro tossed Dragonoff over the top rope early on in the match. And McGinnis says it's like the berserker. Is a super obscure reference, but I love it. The Berserk used to put somebody up in like the atomic drop position and then just toss them over the top rope and win by countout. And uh, that's such a fucking weird finisher. Of course, it wasn't the finisher here, but I thought that was, that was great, especially because I'm 100 years old. So the crowd pop for the swing was really, really cool. I mean, if I wasn't already into the match, that really got me into the match. Like I said, the arbitrarily counting while Cesaro's doing the swing was hilarious to me at one point uh, dragging up like a six six one nine just as a counter into a clothesline and that looked amazing like you said that uppercut towards the end to kind of uh, dragging on the ground so it's almost like a basement uppercut that he takes from cesaro was so fucking cool and so hard looking i couldn't believe at that point that that wasn't the finish but then when he puts him in the neutralizer and it's a bit of an elevated version of it and he had a lot of fire behind it um man, I, I really like this match. So at the end of the match, Nigel talking about Dragunov says he shot for the moon, maybe missed the moon, but landed amongst the stars. And, man, that's the call of a fucking professional. Now, Nigel McGinnis has not been commentating for that long. But, dude, he's such a natural. And it's, you know, I can't help but compare this show to the AEW show. And, you know, that was just, you know, it most likely wasn't just an off-the-cuff Call, But either way, it came across like an off-the-cuff call, and it's interesting comparing that to uh Excalibur. This, this match was awesome. Cesaro looks better than ever. Uh, I'm all for off now, and real cool shit.
0: Yeah, I mean, the coolest part about this match is that it really made me want to see where off goes from here. I mean, after this match, even though he lost, you could tell me Dragonov was number one contender for the championship, and I would buy it, you know, if he
1: totally totally it's just it's real simple proper wrestling booking I had a match that kind of came out of nowhere what was the plot behind the match one guy wanted to fight one another guy wanted to fight. let's go in there and kick the shit out of each other see who, who's better one guy was better even though the other guy gave it his all and everybody looks great everybody's elevated now it's just it's so great to have a star from the main roster come over and beat a younger guy but it in that defeat makes the other guy look like a million dollars. Like I said, he could show up on the next show and say, all right, you know, I, I lost the hard-hitting match to Cesaro, but just barely, now I'm going to fuck someone else up.
0: This guy had a hard-fought match with somebody that is obviously incredible, and now anything is possible for him from here. So, I mean, its uh, I feel like we're just repeating ourselves at this point because it was so cool, and it's just such a rarity that we get to see this on any show, I mean, even WWE, you know, uh, I know NXT is really good about that, and then this is somewhat NXT, but NXT UK has yet to impress me like they did in this match or in this show in general. So, you know, because the last uh, NXT takeover was what Blackpool, headlined by Coffee Coffee and uh, Pete Dunne, and I remember not loving that show, but so far, you know, we're two matches in, and I'm already, I'm, I'm hooked, you know. So that uh, falls for the Tag Team Championship match, the Grizzled Young Veterans versus Gallus, Joe Coffey's brother and another guy whose name I can't remember, (laughs) and uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Gordon Webster, who Flash Morgan Webster, not Flash Gordon Webster. Man, that'd be a cool name, Flash Gordon Webster. Ah. And they don't have a team name, but this match, really cool eventually. It takes me a minute to get there with it. The tag format of this match, in my opinion, kind of sucks, um, but also ends up playing into the story of the match. So eventually I get over it because with that tag format, the, the champs are pretty much able to just continuously break up pinfalls uh, for the first, I mean, seems like maybe 10, 12 minutes of the match, but that eventually kind of plays into how it ends. Uh, Grizzled Young Veterans Finisher, I think they called it the Ticket to Mayhem. It's kind of like a reverse shatter machine that the Revival does. I think it looks awesome. I loved it uh they end up not winning though the hometown boys of webster and andrews win in cardiff wales where they are both welshmen so you know that's cool to have a feel good moment on the show because uh the rest of the show does not have a lot of feel good moments and we'll get to that of course but um not that the rest of the show isn't good it just isn't good feeling it doesn't feel good so uh you know i was okay with them winning i'm not really invested in any of these teams but i will tell you that after this show, I I think Grizzled Young Veterans are really cool, and I like uh, Mark Andrews and Flash more than I did going into it, because I really disliked them going into it, and they showed that they can work in this match, Um, if they can stop waving their hands in the air like they just don't care and saying uh, high fives and stage dives, and looking like they're just there to have fun, then I could see me actually being invested in a story with them but, you know, it seemed like a legitimate emotional win for them in their hometown and so that was cool to me uh, Gallus just kind of reminds me of like the UK's version of the Forgotten Sons. You know, they're just kind of there. Aren't necessarily bad workers by any mean, but not anything interesting. Completely forgettable, in my opinion. But uh, overall, I, w- I was into this. What'd you think about it?
1: This match really, really drugged me in. Which, like I said, I was so surprised because historically, you know, I've I've been very back and forth on Mark Andrews. And mostly because I can't get behind... The pop punk gimmick, and then knowing that it's not a gimmick, that the dude, you know, sings a pop punk band and he, he does that straight leg corny dance where I just want to fucking steal his lunch money right in front of his eyes and be like, What the fuck are you going to do about it, pop punk nerd? But the fact that I think all of that at the beginning of the match and by the end of the match, I'm actually rooting for them so hard that when they win, I say out loud, Yes, really impressed with this match across the board. Uh, I think the video package preview for the three-way match was way better than the actual matches leading up to it. So the Grizzled Young veterans have really good teamwork and, and really fucking cool double team. Um, like I said earlier, I love that Gibson looks like our friend Tracker. Um, and like I said, I'm surprised because late in the match, I'm rooting for Mark Andrews and Gibson. It bummed me out at one point there was something that could have just been like a sunset flip and it turns into a destroyer. And I get the realization at that point, I don't know why we just did a W show. So I don't know why I'm just realizing it now the sunset flip has completely been overtaken by the destroyer. And that's a bummer because the sunset flip is like a hope spot and a transitional type of deal. And the destroyer should be a finisher, but it's not, I just have to let it sink into my head. Like, Hey, man, just because I think the Destroyer should be a finishing hold, uh, it's not anymore. It's a transitional hold. It's going to take me a couple more years to be okay with that, I'm sure. So uh, the Grizzly Young Veterans do a suicide dive doomsday device to the outside. Man, that was fucking radical. I, like, I, I wouldn't have imagined that someone was going to do a move like that and it was just really fucking cool at that point i'm also thinking that if the match had gone 60 percent as long as i'm projecting that's going to go i would have been way more on board with it but as i i was taking those notes that's when the veterans and andrews and gordon wind up with that face-off in the middle of the ring and they're just milking it and you know they're kind of getting all hyped up and the crowds getting behind it and then they just go to blows and the crowd loses it. So right there, I'm like, oh you know what? This is fucking awesome. The crowd is so hot. Um so at this point I kind of changed my mind. I'm like, it is like an AEW match, but it's like an AEW match if they cared about actually having psychology. Because that one face-off spot changed my perception of the whole thing. So even though there were was a bit too much of big moves with not enough selling. it kind of at least made a little bit of sense because to me it was the whole entire matchup until that point was building to the face off between the two teams that actually matter. So when it comes to the finish, Andrews comes off with the splash to break up the uh, the count, and the referee, at no point like, hey, get out of the ring you know before they go into the real finish and um win the match but at the same time it is 2019 i would have liked for the ref to have been distracted so he didn't even see that andrews did the splash to break up the count and that could have been the finish you know the ref is distracted splash happens he isn't distracted he comes back hey i don't know what the fuck happened i don't care you know that's all just like nitpicking at this point point. Because, like I said, after that face-off where they come to blows and the crowd just goes fucking bonkers, I was just so drawn into the match. And I was just dying for Andrews and Gordon to win. And I'm just super caught up in it. And by the end of the match, I'm like, you know, I hope they really kind of tame down their, like, silly, over-the-top gimmicks. You know, and the gimmicks actually aren't even over-the-top so much as they're just kind of rooted in real-life people that I can't stand but their in-ring work is undeniable to me so all in all i just absolutely loved this match and i love that they jump in the crowd and who do they jump into oh two guys that are dressed up like the fucking nasty boys
0: yeah that, i actually really liked that <laughs> they had two nasty boys cosplayers in the crowd and that's what they jumped in with stage diving and high five and so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on all that. The, the match really drew me in over time because at first, like I said, I was like, ah, this tag format kind of sucks. And uh, again, not fans of Webster or Andrews. Really not fans of any of these guys going into it. Came out fans of the Grizzled Young Veterans and tolerance of Webster and Mark Andrews, your new NXT UK Tag Team Champions. So that brings us to the last man standing match between Joe Coffee, Coffee Coffee, and Dave Mastiff. First of all, there's two people named Coffee, Joe and his brother. Nobody should be named Coffee. Coffee is not intimidating. Coffee makes people happy. It gets them excited. So if you're trying to be this angry person, you shouldn't be named after a Starbucks order. The unfortunate part about this match is that the coolest part of the whole match happens at the very beginning And the rest of the match will never live up to the coolest part that opens the match where the turnbuckle after, I believe, Joe Coffey is thrown into it by Dave Mastiff. And the turnbuckle just falls off like Mike Awesome jumped off of it on Night the Line Was Crossed. And it completely derails the match, but in a good way. The crowd loses their mind. Uh, It looks amazing. And really, the match should have been maybe two minutes after that, and they should have wrapped it up. But instead... They do a bunch of shit to each other, you know. It's whatever every last man standing match is. I'm just not a fan of a last man standing match. So going into it with two guys I don't really care about, and opening with that hot open with the turnbuckle that couldn't have been planned, right? Like that clearly just broke.
1: I don't know. I feel like that was that was planned.
0: Well, if it was planned, they should have saved it for later on so that it could have <laughs> revived me when they're just uh, hitting each other with different items. JoJo lifts the bag of weapons up from the side of the ring to no-pop, which was very funny to me, but the worst part about this match is that it's kind of a stupid finish. Like, the point of a last-man-standing match is you just want to beat the hell out of this person that you hate so much that they can't even get up to a count of ten, and the only reason that my man didn't get up for the count of ten is because he got, like, knocked off a rolling little box, you know? It wasn't like He definitively just got beaten more than the other guy. They're both beaten up. I don't know, man. It just seemed dumb to me. But that being said, this match was by no means terrible.
1: So check this out. I thought this was going to be the bathroom break. I think I started making dinner during this match. Um, I'm not a fan of either of these guys and the promos building up to it. I thought, man, these promos stink. But... So uh, I'm paying half attention. The match starts. I catch a glimpse that the turnbuckle broke and the crowd goes nuts. I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to start this over again. So I started over again. And believe it or not, in total disagreement with you, I loved every single thing about this match. And I didn't even want to because I don't like either of these guys. I don't fucking care about, about any of it going into it. But as soon as that top rope breaks, I think the fact that it happened early in the match was the best that could have happened because I'm like – I wouldn't have paid attention to the match at all. And that happened. I was like, what the fuck? That is such a cool, new, and devastating but real simple and safe way to start a match like this. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll fucking pay attention to these two guys. So yeah, I, I thought starting the match off with something that big was fucking rad. Whenever I watch Mastiff do anything, I just feel like his body and beard combo looks like it's got to be super uncomfortable. I unfortunately know somebody else who looks just like that, and he has no idea that he does, and he's disgusting. So Mastiff is kind of like a gross Brooklyn metalcore wannabe metal guy. So that's why I've always, you know, hated this guy. And Joe Coffey looks like a modern deathcore guy who thinks he's a metal guy. So,
0: Well, not only that, but Joe Coffey in that main event of NXT TakeOver Blackpool against Pete Dunne, just completely shits the bed and is terrible in it. So I was really low on him because that's the last thing I saw him do was that shitty match with Pete Dunne. And then I see him doing this last man standing thing. So this was at least better than that. But-
1: well, for I agree with you. I, I thought he shit the bed on the last pay-per-view. And I was just like, why the fuck has he even in this top spot? But in this, I, I don't want to say I loved him because I don't love him. But I loved his, I loved his work. You know, I, I just thought this match actually turned out to be really cool. Uh, at one point, Mastiff pulls out the uh, dazed and confused bat, the soul pole that they beat up the, uh, the freshman in. But these guys, they're stiffing each other the entire match. And a match like this needs that. So it's really cool that the things that I don't like about these guys is working to their advantage. They're like two big beefy guys. One looks better than the other because the other looks so shitty, but it's fucking perfect. And they just look like two big fucking bruisers and they're just laying it in throughout this match. I'm convinced that these guys are tough guys and I totally buy it. And I love that. Especially, like I said, this kind of cleansing my palate from the AEW show where I feel like everybody practiced in the ballet studio and, they, they don't care at all if stuff, something looks like they're just playing around in a pool. I like that, you know, I'm not saying that these guys weren't safe, but it looks like they're really fucking nailing each other. Um, so at one point, they do that dueling chair spot where they're like, they each pick up the chair and they're about to, like they're playing chicken with chairs. And they're in the crowd and the crowd's hot and they're just, you know, getting all fucking amped up. And what do they do? They've run full speed at each other with fucking folding chairs all right
0: actually now that you bring that up i did think that spot was really cool they're not not only running full speed each other with the folding chairs but like you said they're in the middle of the people while they're doing it and that was sick i gotta give it to them
1: yeah it's so innovative while also being unbelievably simple so it's like dude these guys or whoever's you know helping them out with their matches i don't want to take away anyone's credit across the board here um everybody is using their brain and you know accentuating their positives and doing their best to hide their weaknesses Um, so at one point they do that fucking table spot on the announcer's table which is like a real ass fucking table and it doesn't budge it doesn't break i loved that the table didn't break You know, I don't, it wasn't a gimmick table, so why would it break? But these two big fucking guys, you know, doing a spot on the table, there must be 600 pounds at least between the two of them. And the fact that it didn't break made it look so much more real, you know, almost like you want to take away the wrestling from it because we're so used to, oh, they're on a table, it's going to crack. So you're almost desensitized to a cracking table that when a table doesn't crack, it's like, holy fuck, the table didn't crack.
0: Not only that, but it looks like it hurts more when the ta- you know, at least when it breaks, you almost get a little give. Whereas if it's not breaking, then it's even more solid. It must hurt even more. That's kind of how I see it when I see that kind of thing happen.
1: Absolutely. So whenever there was a table spot in the 80s or even the early 90s, you know, the table wouldn't break. And they were very rare that they would do something like that anyway. Um, so it got to the point, you know, when wrestling got table crazy. You go through the table, and if you see it the first time the table breaks, it looks like it hurts more because of it, where now that's been done to death. So we know that, oh, the tables are gimmicked, and if the table doesn't break. It's not gimmicked. It hurts more. So yeah, totally. I thought the fact that that didn't break when it, the build up to the double table spot was, was better than the actual crash through the table, which I mean all that in a positive way. The fact that they were climbing up and they climbed up into, you know, that kind of eagle's nest area and they're going to throw each other off, but they can't do it. Just the build. So at that point, it's like, all right, you know, they're going to go through the table and it's going to be spectacular. But it it took a while and you're really anticipating it. So the fact that when they went through the table, I don't want to say it looked soft at all, but, you know, it looked like they were trying to take care of each other. is great. Take care of each other. It didn't matter. This spot through the table could have even looked really soft to me, and I didn't care because it was just the build to it was just excellent. So, unlike you, I thought the finish where, all right, they're both trying to get up, they both get up, and they were going to, you know, both make the count. And Coffee, because even though he's at this point, I totally buy it. He's a legit tough guy. Both of these guys are just badass bastards, even though nobody did a drop kick to the other. Coffee's the heel. He's just going to kick out the road case and Mastiff is going to trip. And he wins. I thought it was fucking brilliant. And I can't believe I liked anything either of these guys did. But, man, what a fucking good match. Really, really enjoyed this.
0: Well, man, I'm glad you liked it. I didn't think it was terrible, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't my favorite. But in hindsight, actually thinking back on it, especially compared to the match we're about to talk about, um, it's, it's interesting how, how uh, perception and anticipation... Can it affect it. For example, like you said at the top of the show, AEW, super excited to watch, very disappointing, and probably disliked it more because I was anticipating loving it. This show had no expectations for. It. Was like, ah, oh, well, I like Tony Storm. I like Tyler Bate. This shall be fine. And I left it really enjoying it. So uh I definitely like these guys more than I did before the match, which again is is sometimes all you can ask for. Didn't like the match as much as you, but that's that's okay. You know, you could be wrong sometimes. But the next match is someone that I do like very much. Tony Motley Cruz Storm versus Kaylee Ray. Now, going into this, love Tony. Um, you know, she's very popular, so I'm not the only one that loves her. She uh seems like kind of a dominant champion. And Kaylee Ray was seemed to me like just sort of a uh a layover program, you know, while they are waiting for a uh a different opponent, maybe like a Ginny. seemed like they were building Ginny up quite a bit, or even Jazzy Gabert, something like that. So Kaylee Ray, I did not expect by any means to take the title this night, but she very much did and did it clean. No no funny business, just beat her. So emotionally, this match was a bummer as far as for the crowd and for me, but the match itself is not as good as I I think it could have been. Um, The whole thing kind of felt like it was in slow motion and on, uh, that, that's the, my major criticism for it. But the other thing is that both of them hit their finishers halfway through the match. And it's, it's hard to explain, but maybe you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. For example, Tony's the one that hits it first. She hits her uh, Storm Zero, you know, Tyler Driver, 1997. Uh, and there's nothing about when she hits it from her hitting it, the audience, the announcers, Kaylee Ray. There's nothing at any point that makes me think that that match is over. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it, it's performed. It's done. It's almost, she might as well have done a backbreaker. She might as well have been the Messiah of the transitional move. It, it has no impact. I, I, I don't know how to explain it better than that, but uh, same thing happens with the uh, KLR when she hits her finisher for the first time. Now in the defense of the match, the finish does come with Kaylee having to hit her finisher just two times in a row, just to make sure she puts her away one time into the ropes and then one time onto the mat. Um, but I was stunned. i got to be honest. I was stunned when, when she got the three count. I thought for sure there was no way she was going to win. So I guess I'll give it to him for surprising me um, yet again in a different way on this show. But uh, I did not love this match. And unfortunately, this might have been actually my least favorite match on the show. Between just it not being the best and my anticipation of it being going into it, I thought this was going to be my favorite match of the show.
1: Yeah, I didn't love this match either. It didn't seem like they clicked at any point in the match, and you know, in my opinion, that could ruin a match real quick. Or anyone's opinion. If you don't fucking click, you're not working together. It just kind of gets all fucky. Did you play WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy on Nintendo 64?
0: Not only did I play WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy on Nintendo 64, I also posted a picture of me playing those two exact games on the World Wide Web this past. Uh, Wednesday during Hurricane Dorian here in...
1: Oh, cool. So do you hang out with Kenny Omega and Xavier Woods?
0: Yeah, uh, catch me on Up, Up, Down, Down, vying for the Overwatch championship. Um, No, because the last uh, console that I got was a Nintendo 64, so those are all the games I I have. I also had, which I forgot that I had completely, I have ECW Hardcore Revolution, which is a terrible game, and I have WCW NWO Revenge, and of course wcw nwo world tour but what was your follow-up question going to be after you questioned my
1: loyalty to the nintendo 64 console i am unbeatable at any wcw or wwf thq nintendo 64 game
0: that's absolutely interesting because i was recently in your domicile your home and you have that game set up as if you're ready to play it at any time. And when I asked you if you wanted to play it, you said that it doesn't work. But I'm pretty sure that was just you being in fear of defeat. And that's fine. It's good to be afraid of things. You know, sometimes fear makes us
1: stronger. You're not lying.
0: When you asked me if I'd ever played WrestleMania 2000, what were you going to say after that?
1: So when you use the create a wrestler feature and you're setting up the taunts, there's a taunt kind of like Raven where he puts his arms out to his side.
0: And that's Kaylee Ray's taunt.
1: But they add this pendulum thing where she goes back and forth. So I've never seen someone do that in real life. So it's funny that she does the fucked up Raven taunt.
0: Well, that's Uh, funny, too, because uh, Jordan Devlin does the Aki Man moves. So maybe THQ is heavily involved in NXT UK, which makes me excited for a new video game because I can't get into these 2K games, but I could definitely get into a THQ collaboration in 2019-2020, Barbara Walters. is.
1: 2020. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so I'm with you. I love Tony Storm. I love Motley Crue. Uh, she has another entrance theme. She ha- she's had so many entrance themes. I don't know if anyone cares about that, but I care a lot about that. It drives me crazy that it changes so often, and none of them are music that I've written. Um, so Tony does this thing where she throws like these really weak, like from the elbow slaps in succession, and that bums me out. Because I think she's really good. But she she does that. And it looks really, really crappy. Um, I think it's supposed to be her like, oh, I really lost it. I'm just going to slap this person. But then it's like, oh, man, you've never been in a real fight. Now you're showing that. I don't want to see that once you do some kick-ass wrestling maneuvers. Um, But, yeah, there's just a lot about this match. They just didn't click. You know, I don't like that Tony was doing the, oh, I'm crying for real thing a lot in the midst of the match. You know, like she would hit. I think she hit her finisher and uh, Kaylee kicks out and then they focus in on Tony and she's like actually crying. I don't get it. I don't like that part. It's, it's a bummer. I don't want to see her upset. Do you remember when Kaylee uh, dives off the top rope to the floor? Man, that thing was so sloppily dangerous and I think um, she was fine, but she just kind of leaps off, has no idea what she's doing and almost breaks her neck. I was like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, I, the finish was was cool for a finish but I just didn't love the match, they didn't really they didn't click well and um, whatever I do hope, I hope that Tony comes to the main roster and beats Kofi Kingston for the title though
0: <laughs> it was interesting they didn't click just because the whole story of this match is how they're great friends and usually you know, people that are good friends with each other have better matches because they're willing to just beat the hell out of each other but yeah, it's, uh, it just never kind of Made sense for them But um, maybe they'll have some future matches Down the line or maybe we'll never have to Think about it ever again But in the meantime we've got Our main event Okay Tyler Bate versus Walter all caps Now I feel like This has been overstated And I feel like It can't be overstated but this match was so good. It's 40 plus minutes, but it feels like it's in the blink of an eye, because I'm constantly invested in it. The story here being that Tyler Bate and all of his friends have just been obliterated by Imperium over and over again, and they have all failed to defeat Walter, and is gonna step up, and he's gonna be the one to do it, to dethrone him, to finally shut him up, and, you know, NXT UK is the brand that him and his buddies built and now Walter and Imperium have come and taken it over and, and he's not going to stand for it. And he'd rather you know, fight on his knees than die on his feet or whatever the cool saying is. Chestnut checkers. Chestnut but checkers One thing about this match that also can't be understated is how annoying this crowd is singing the whole time. What is it? With these European crowds—they will take. I don't even know what the song is that they're singing. The words Tyler Bate to. but it seems like in every sport, everything that I watch in Europe, that they take a already existing tune and they take two or three words and they just shove it in there. They did it with Enzo Amore with Seven Nation Army. Um, you know, they got the Bailey one as well. There's other songs that they sing throughout this show that I can't remember because the Tyler Bate one is for 40 minutes, so I definitely remember that one. And I really, really had to mute the show after a certain point. And I still enjoyed that. The match was so good that it was great on mute. But that was my one criticism. That being said, the story being told here where Tyler Bate is just constantly not gonna be held down. Very um kind of reminded me of one of my favorite matches of all time, and that's the WrestleMania twenty-six, not twenty-five, but the twenty-six match between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Where Sean is just absolutely beaten, but he crawls up, and uh, and you know does the Undertaker taunt to him and slaps him in the face, and then Undertaker you know finally just puts him away. Kind of out of respect though, this is less so out of respect by Walter, but you know Tyler Bates is getting beaten down. Um, Walter does, I think he does the big splash onto him, and he kicks out at one in defiance, crawls up him, slaps him, and then Walter you know just finally puts him out of his misery. But one of the few times, but multiple times in this show where someone comes out looking even better in defeat than they would have in victory because after this match, Tyler Bate looks even stronger than ever despite the fact that he didn't win. It gets me excited about who is going to be the one to finally come in and, and take out Walter. Is it going to be the Dragonov coming up from the bottom? Is it going to be Cesaro? That would be cool. Is it going to be someone we haven't even seen yet? Someone, whoever, whenever that happens, that's going to be a big moment, but really enjoyed this match. Don't have enough good things to say about it, or can't say enough good things about it. Don't have enough good things to say about it is a funny way to put that. But I, I'm pretty sure you like this match too, so tell me all about it.
1: I couldn't believe, I just couldn't believe it. So I am going as far as to say that at this point, after thinking about it since, you know, it's been about 24 hours since I watched this match, this match is without a doubt my favorite match of the year oh wow yeah w- w- without a doubt like hands down um so i love tyler Bate, i love walter i love both of their entrances and their entrance music i love that walter sounds like i said a bit like star wars and bait his uh his music sounds like a very 80s wwm Interesting. So, F not just paying attention to that, but also the whole matchup here, ugh, it's just everything is so classic. Um, we touched upon this earlier, but I love that the championship is called the WWE UK Championship and not the NXT UK Championship. I don't know why that matters, but to me, it just, well, I guess I do know why it matters. This just makes it seem so much more legit in my eye. Um, The look of the lights while they're doing the introduction is so classic and awesome and just classy. It's like a 2019 take of ultra-traditional wrestling match. Now, the wrestling matches were uh, poorly lit traditionally because it's, you know, it was a low-budget experience. You know, you have a wrestling ring or even, you know— Way, way back years and years and years ago, boxing ring, it's just a spotlight over the ring. So doing the entrances like this, it's just – it has such a big fight feel. So I'm already – like I said, I love both these guys as it is. Um, The story going into it was really, really simple. Uh, Walter being the champion and he's a huge 70s-looking villain and Tyler Bate looking like a 2019 – take on an 80s underdog dude it's like a fucking rocky movie and it's it's just it's perfect from the onset so the apron powerbomb that walter gives bait is crazy that's like a you know a relatively new past five years you know thing that's becoming a regular thing um going on the outside and powerbombing somebody on the apron but it doesn't now it doesn't not look devastating still but him doing that and then following that up with power bombing him into the fucking ring post on the outside and the way they bring the trainer out and it's almost like oh bait like actually fucked up he maybe he was and he just finished the match i don't know either way i'm just so sold on it and i'm just like what the fuck is going on so early on like you're saying the crowd's singing usually crowds singing and doing all this shit drives me crazy and i'm just like oh the crowd's here to for themselves and not the fact that they're a babyface crowd which to me is so rare nowadays people love to just go against what they feel like they're supposed to and it kind of takes away the fun from everybody including the performers with the crowd just being so behind tyler Bate the whole time i don't get the impression that they don't appreciate walter but he's the fucking heel so they're not cheering for walter they're fucking rabid for Bate. So the signal all that shit doesn't bother me. I'm just excited that, like, the crowd is kind of a part of the story here in the right way instead of just being um, contrary assholes. Walter's shots are so solid and, like, borderline stiff. So every time he's striking bait, it looks, it looks like it fucking matters. You know, and Walter's a big, giant beast, and he's, he's wrestling like a big, giant beast you know he's such a cool presence and a cool worker so bait suplexes him off the apron at one point after he's just getting annihilated and that just just a little thing just a little depending on what you want to call it nowadays a fucking t-bone suplex or an exploder or whatever the shit just gives him a little suplex off the apron they both fall on the ground and it just looks amazing and got me really psyched so at one point walter puts bait in a boston crab And because of their size difference, it's such a fucking perfect move to do in this match. So, you know, Boston Crab can look like a nothing move or it could look really brutal. You have the right guy do it to the other guy or just sink it in properly. And it looks like something like, oh, this could actually be the finish. Do you remember the whole spot where Bates trying to suplex Walter and it's not working and they kind of move on to something else and then they come back to that spot?
0: Yeah, he's selling too that like his back is hurt. So not only is Walter, you know, this gigantic creature, but uh, he's also, you know, got some sort of back issues, probably from the power bombs of the post and things like that. And then yeah, later on he finally gets to make it happen.
1: So dude, the crowd goes fucking nuts for a regular vertical suplex. And this is still like pretty early in the match, and I'm just thinking like, dude, this is master psychology. It's not fucking rock scientist but uh and they co- they cover all the bases of a great wrestling match. Um everything these guys are doing serves a purpose and it's like a fucking roller coaster. Everything is so logical and interesting it's just it, it couldn't possibly draw me in anymore. So at one point Walter drop kicks bait. And it's like, "Uh, why would a guy like Walter do a drop kick?" But Walter does a drop kick that is so perfectly suited for someone his size in the situation where he's fighting somebody who's smaller than him. So it looks sloppy, but it looks properly sloppy because it's like a big man. Oh, I have to do something different to fucking get this little motherfucker off his feet. He goes for it and he does a drop kick and he hits it with so much force. And because everybody is so aware of the story the match is telling and their size and how their size incorporates into the story uh bates go bait goes fucking flying so it just it's so realistic so you know the whole what is it bip and bop or whatever the fuck that is when bates has different names for his hands um so at one point he just levels walter with a punch with his left hand and he puts so much into it that when he hits him he falls and then what happens walter falls on top of him and bait is selling that he's stuck under this big giant guy. Little stuff like that is so, like, I guess someone, someone might think that that's stupid, but I fucking loved it. It's so much fun. And they're just doing all these really cool fucking things where over and over again they're just falling into their proper role. And it's just fucking perfect.
0: Now, another cool part about that particular spot is that If uh, you remember the way he's selling it, uh, Tyler Bate, that is, is that he is selling the back again, which, like I said earlier, he wasn't able to body slam him because the back was hurt. So he's remembering that injury, you know, it makes everything in the match seem like it matters and has consequence throughout the entire match. And I actually really enjoyed that specifically because of him selling the lower back. He was like, oh, man, not only did he land on me, but that really hurts my body that was already not in good shape so i thought that was cool
1: of course and i feel like that's you learn that week one of wrestling school maybe week two hey gotta sell if you hit a big move or someone's working on a body part i know that doesn't really exist anymore but in this match it fucking does and bait sells the back every second of the match and it adds so much to it and he's a young fucking dude too so how he could know all this stuff and have a A modern classic over 40 minutes and, you know, apparently the largest star in Japan, Kenny Omega, can't really figure out how to do anything in a goddamn wrestling ring properly. is mind-blowing. I love that Bate, despite his back, finally gets Walter up for the airplane spin. I think the fact that he does the airplane spin is hilarious. It's so slow. The only airplane spin I've seen in my life slower than that is when Sapphire does one to Sensational Seri in WrestleMania six, But I love that it's slow. So Bate does those two dives out of the ring and hits Walter both times. And both times that he's running the ropes to do it, he's holding his back. He's fucking selling his back while he's hitting the ropes. It's just, it's masterful. Um, Nigel McGuinness, the entire match is just fucking killing it. He has... So much legit emotion, and it all offsets the straight man here, and I, I just love it. The whole match, like I said, feels like a fucking Rocky movie. You know, this essentially is like a could be a rehash of Rocky Four. Walter hitting his finisher, the power bomb, on Tyler Bate, and Bate kicking out on the one, and the crowd erupts, just fucking deafening. And the fact that he kicks out on one, doesn't wait till two, and then, you know, kicks out on one and has, like, an ultimate warrior comeback. And he's teasing it, and he's getting himself psyched up, and the crowd's going nuts. And what happens? Walter hits the ropes and fucking smashes him with a clothesline. Just, like, this absolutely devastating clothesline and fucking pins him. So it's, like, the whole time I'm like, man, I want that feel-good moment of, of bait winning and overcoming. And then we don't get it, but we don't get it because Bate worked his ass off. He's this incredible underdog, but Walter is a dominating champion. He's a thousand feet tall. He's a big, mean, legit looking, tough guy, son of a bitch. Dude, ugh. I'm like exhausted even talking about this match because I loved it so much i was on my feet and then i was off my feet and i was on my feet and then i sat down and i was on the edge of my seat and i'm yelling oh fuck I'm, I, I felt like i was like fucking 10 years old again with this match and like i said earlier on 24 hours removed hands down this is my favorite match of the year
0: well that's very cool man it's uh it's crazy the juxtaposition of this between how you felt about the aw show and i want to feel the way i felt about this show when watching AW as well I want to feel this way Whenever I watch any wrestling but you know um, Very cool to go Into it expecting so little and Getting so much again Can't stress this enough can't stress How much I can't stress it enough that's all You can really ask for uh, it's a Really cool feeling to have low expectations and Get a high Return on your investment of Time all right well that's going to do it for this episode Of stiff shots <laughs> we hope you Enjoyed uh, the back to back Releases. I know that we missed out on over the Labor Day weekend, so we're trying to make up for it. Coming up, we got the Clash of Champions from World Wrestling Entertainment, which I will be at live and in person and also in spirit. And then after that, we may have uh, some time to be able to review the New Japan Pro Wrestling Royal Quest event. that took place in the UK as well, so look out for that. We also have our retro reviews coming up on YouTube of... SummerSlam 2002 and ECW's The Night the Line Was Crossed. So make sure you go on to YouTube.com and search for Stiff Shots Podcast. We look forward to hearing from you on Twitter, on Instagram at Stiff Shots Pod. And now there is a Facebook group, Stiff Shots, that uh, we encourage you to join. Because we, we really just want to talk to you. We're lonely. We're, we're the only friends we have. You don't have to be our friend, but you can at least talk to us about pro you can at least tell me what your favorite song is on the Forcible Entry album. But until then, it is important to me and to everyone so you know that Rockstar Rules Amazon
1: is stupid.
0: Thanks for coming out. We'll see you up there. Bye!
1: The passion of a thousand sons wearing a thousand pairs of sunglasses.